welcome everyone to another episode of maybe next year the podcast that is good but probably still not great my name is frank i'm scott i'm paul and look most teams beat washington by 12 points uh most teams uh aren't six and two and the bills are six and two and they beat the the washington redskins by 15 points and people are still kind of bitching and moaning about how they looked uh perhaps rightfully so perhaps not we will get into it thank you for joining us once again on maybe next year um yes the bills winners to move to six and two 24 9 over washington held them to three field goals um it's it's i, I don't want to say that the, the game was ever in doubt but it certainly slowed down at the middle. Yeah, it was a, it was a one-score game for a while, you you know, up until the last that, two and a half minutes. You can't say the game is in doubt if it's a if you're up by one score. If you're up by a full score, it, it it's, right. And with eight points too, so it'd have to be the fullest of full scores. Right. But I I guess yeah, it depends on your definition of in doubt. Let's put it this way: the game was it was not in the bag until really the final minutes because the Redskins did have possession of the ball several times down eight points in the fourth quarter and just couldn't cash it in. Well, we should talk about that because let me let me give you some some uh, uh, stats here. 15 of 22 for 144 yards and four sacks, no touchdowns, no interceptions. 18 carries for 108 yards. Of course, the first nine carries were 99 yards for Adrian Peterson. Uh, and that's about it. That's about what the Washington Redskins managed to do on offense. So while I take your point that Buffalo didn't put anybody away, the Redskins really didn't manage to do very much. Um, but you know what? I, 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 I'm picking fights before it were... Uh, before we've even really gone through the game, um, you know, Josh Allen, 14 of 20 for 160 yards and a touchdown, uh, two sacks, no fumbles lost, even though he did lose the ball at some point. And then I think that was he in fumbled, the end. but didn't lose the fumble. Yes, correct. Uh, Steven Hauschka one for one on the field goal, made all three of his extra points. Um, John Brown, 76, John Brown, five catches, 80 yards. That's pretty much what he does. Yeah, four, that's that we, we're going to call that whenever any receiver has five catches for 80 hours, we're going to, in the future, just call that the John Brown line. So four for that's seven, essentially what we get yeah, every week. four for 76. And then Devin Singletary, 20 carries, 95 yards and a touchdown and another three catches for another 45 yards, um, uh, without additional touchdowning. Uh, who, who else had the touch? Cole Beasley had the touchdown and, so there's there's uh, Devin Singletary and Josh Allen had the last rushing touchdown. So those are your three touchdowns and a field goal that give you 24 points. They covered. They held the team to single digits. But I know Scott feels the same way. I'm sure Scott feels the same way. Scott, explain to me how a 15 point lead is not good enough for you. Um, Or is it? I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's good enough for this game. Obviously, well, that's the game they played <laughs> next. Well, but that's but that's yes, exactly. I mean, this is so I, I've read the, you know, a certain, you know, uh, blog that we reference sometimes, but it's built by people who are much like us and, mm -hmm. and aren't professional analysts or, or really, you know, get paid. They I think get some stipends occasionally. We obviously get paid nothing and our opinions are worth as such. But it was kind of like, hey, we're all just, hey, we're winning games. Everybody lighten up. Come on. And, okay, so I am fine with that on some level. The concern that I have is that if you start letting people off the hook for what is acceptable performance and why we are in a six and – why we are looking at a six and two team and not a four and four team or a two and six team, 
why the why becomes very important because that drives decisions. Because it's if you're making decisions like I'm going to go out and buy, you know, uh, season tickets because this team's on the right track. I'm not sure that that's a great investment because this team I'm not sure is quite like there yet. Obviously, I'm not buying season tickets. I'm not living in Buffalo, but still, it's it's. And if you're, and it's one thing for a fan who obviously, you know, the season tickets are kind of important in a theoretical sense for the health of the franchise, but not usually not significant enough to actually drive any decision making on the front office part. But I will say that, especially, you know, if we're talking about the growth of the team over the long term and again, what fans want, it's you have to be realistic in your assessment of what you're seeing. And so that's, if you don't know why things are happening, then you could draw the wrong conclusions about what's going on. So if you think this team is six and two because the defense is doing great and Allen's coming together and the the run game is acceptably good and um, the offensive line has gotten better and that's why we're six and two, that's a completely different conclusion than um, this team six and two because they played six bad teams or six you know mediocre or worse teams. And they are therefore mediocre. So those are important distinctions. I'm not saying that it's not okay to enjoy a win on Sunday. Um, and it's not, and obviously I'd rather have them win than lose. I'm not saying anything otherwise. And we shouldn't, it's not like I'm saying I'm not going to take the wins, but um, it's important that you don't go out. And I will say a very specific example. Was it Fitz who we went out and gave a $45 million contract to about halfway through one of his seasons when we were yeah. five and two? And then we went on to lose like seven out of the next nine and miss the playoffs. That was that was indeed Ryan Fitzpatrick still playing, by the way, still, still, still playing, still yeah. fitting, doing still his fitting thing. Fits. Yep. But those are the kind of decisions that you make when you're like, yeah, this team's got it. We've got it figured out. This is how it works. OK, and... but they haven't done that. Like, I, I like I understand that, like, that was a dumb move, but this team hasn't done that. And even if they did do that, they've got a shitload more money than that team had because, like, they're going to have, like, tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars to spend next year anyway. So I take your point that that this could be a function of the schedule. I think my retort is, first of all, even if they were beating the shit out of some of these teams, I don't know that they would be any better than 7-1. and one. Um or even probably still six and two, just with a wider margin of victory in 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 some of these mm-hmm. games, maybe. And so, what's that really worth? I don't know. Like maybe we can draw comfort for it from it, uh, and and it makes you feel a little bit better about some stuff. Okay, I, I don't know. It's the NFL. Like I feel like I feel like the NFL is probably one of those leagues where you know I I think there is statistics that say most games end in less than seven points difference, and so it's a it's a it's a much harder league to to win in where, you know, talent can on any given Sunday, you know, close the gap. The other thing is there's in, in season stuff. And then there's off season stuff in season GM stuff is, and, and team stuff is what is this team doing today and how are they going forward? And then, you know, come the end of the season, then yeah, you need to have a very sober approach as to who they are who you think this team is and what needs to get better. And I think that if you're, if you're worried about that, you only have to go back two years ago when they made the playoffs and clearly had a sense that they weren't the team that they wanted to be. And so 
if the time for overreaction was any time, it might have been that time. And they didn't seem to overreact at all. In fact, they, they sort of stuck with their plan and continued to shed contracts and acquire draft picks and younger talent. And there was a harsh year. And then this year is a bounce back. So uh, I don't know, Paul, you can talk. You can. Yeah, you, we, you, we you, seem you, to have dove, dove in. <laughs> I made up a word like right past the recap of the Bills Washington game and right to the season first half review part of the jet, which is fine because this is it a was, really interesting. It was a boring game, okay? Like it, it was. was I'll admit that it like was, it was an atrocious half, game to watch. It was right. in the second half. Four bullets. It's like able yes. field position, run defense was tailed two halves, and that was that was essentially like it that I had to say about this game. We could still go back and talk about the game, but please, I'd, yeah, I'd be interested I, in your thoughts on our debate here. Go ahead. Yeah, this is, and I, I am. It's funny. I always tend to land in the middle with you guys, and and in some ways, I do on this Even one. Steven. Is is well. Um, I have a quick quiz, which fits right into this discussion. And by quick, I mean you can answer this immediately. Um, so going Queen by Elizabeth the Elizabeth II. Very good. We're done. Not Claire good. Foy was the actual answer. No, I'm mm-hmm. kidding. All right. Going by the last time the Bills played each of the NFL's 31 teams. So their last game against New England was a loss, against Miami and the Jets were wins, etc. Sure. What is the Bills' record in those 31 games? Fascinating. Um, actual research I did this week. That's an. Oh, take a look now. I got okay. Like, but I guess we can't answer this immediately at all because yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's an I mean, answer it's, that adds up to fifteen. My guess is, my guess is me, it's going to be something like fifteen and sixteen. I, I would say, yeah, I was going to say like five hundred. Yeah, I think fifteen and sixteen is an excellent guess, and the answer is nineteen and twelve. Okay. The Bills have won 61.3. If you're a fan of one of the NFL's other 31 teams, there is a 61.3% chance that Buffalo beat your team the last time they played. So I racked my brain in in the context of this discussion to try to figure out what does that mean? And then I took a little deeper dive. Of those 12 losses, nine are teams that made the playoffs last year. Two went 11-5 and five or better in 2017 are historically uh, very good. One was the Steelers, one's the Chiefs. And then the, or excuse me, I forgot the other t- Steelers and Rams. I forgot who it was. But anyway, and the Packers uh, in 2016 won the NFC North and are always a good team until the last two years. So my point is these Bills now for multiple seasons have seemed to have been able to beat up on middling to bad teams. But when they're facing these good teams, like we've seen, they have likely smoked the Bills. And no doubt they've played two teams that are 500 or better right now. They are 0-2. They've played six teams that are under 500. They are six and zero. Oh. That is not a bad thing necessarily because they could be any of those six teams that they beat, and that would be uh, no doubt worse. And we would be having a much different discussion right now. And I think where I and I'll give you where I agree with you, you both on Scott's side. What I agree is like this team is is not its record. You know, this team is not a team that I think is capable of winning 75% of its games against eight and eight competition every game. Let's say they're facing the league average every week. They're just two They're They're still developing offensively. Their defense, while it plays great at times is largely inconsistent. That inconsistency against the run is going to be a problem. They also don't generate many turnovers, but they do a lot of things very well. And the offense tends to do enough and have the the right players. So I, I think we're going to see some exposure in the second half of this year, unfortunately, where I agree with Frank, they have not screwed themselves royally with money and dumb contracts right now. They have done 
a generally good job drafting, although it's worth pointing out that their top two picks from this last draft are no longer starters. Cody Ford was active but didn't play at all mm-hmm. at all yeah, on the bench and only played 18 snaps. Mm-hmm. So they've got, you know, th- those are problems. But they have drafted some guys who are who have been great contributors. And you look at Trey White, Milano, and so on down the list, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've made reasonable signings, they, even though Jerry Hughes is making big money and star Lodalele. Hughes is a big contributor, and Lodalele's contract is easy to get out of after next season with a little, you know, without much dead money. And with the extra money this year, I would say largely with the free agents, they've spent wisely. Beasley is literally on pace for pretty much his career averages in every category. John Brown is having a breakout year. The offensive line, while still I think league average, is still better than league bottom dweller where they've been in recent seasons. And so all of these, to me, mean the Bills are further along and we're not going to have a season like 2011 that Scott referenced where they start so hot and then fizzle off and then have to change leadership. But I think this could be a bit like 2011, whereas I do not expect a six and two back half to this season like we got in the front half. I call bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Welcome to disagree. Look, look, no one ever. Look, you guys have both said that, you know, you know, it's not a 75 percent win team and and the like because of the, the schedule. And and I think that, first of all, the number of times that we haven't Paul's right, like maybe the last time that they played each of these teams that they've done well against the poorer teams, but there's plenty of years where they pissed themselves away playing against the poorer teams. And so there's credit where credits due that they've established. They're not one of the poorer teams. And second of all, nobody ever cries for Argentina here that they have to play the new England Patriots twice a year. And so it's a little, I don't want to say disingenuous. That's too strong of a word, but it's not, it's, it's a, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And if nobody's going to cry for them because they have to play, the Patriots twice a year, then we shouldn't be making too much of a big deal. The fact that like they get to beat up on a shitty conference this year and it's going to be a shitty conference next year when they have $91 million to spend. I just looked it up. Um, they have $91 million. That's and probably going to go up to your argument, Frank. Ex- I mean, exactly. Trent, Trent and if Murphy's you're a team, probably going to be cut and they'll save a ton of money there. And if you're a team that finished second in the AFC East, and you gave New England fits. And it's not outside of the realm of possibility that Tom Brady decides to move on from New England one way or the other at the end of this year. That Buffalo, who else is going to be the AFC? Who who else are you worried about in the AFC East? All of a sudden, that's a wide open race. So to me, the idea that, you know, what they're building now does matter. And it does count if you make the playoffs. And it is important. And it's not to be dismissed. I think it's a good season. Are they a great team? Are they the Chiefs or the Patriots or Baltimore? Maybe not. Probably not. I, I would I would say not. But you don't have to be great. You can just be really good. And when you're really good and you get in the playoffs, weird shit happens. Ask the wild card team from the Major League Baseball playoffs how that worked out for them being a good team instead of, you know, one of the dominant teams. What I'd like to say also is that, like, you know – yeah, it's they're six and two. It's fun. Have fucking fun. It's we, fun. We, we, we are having fun. I, I know no, nobody got... sounds like they're having fun. Every time I'm... I turn on the radio or talk to any of you or <laughs> go on Twitter, <laughs> someone's shitting on them for being six and two. And I like if they were a better team, I don't even think they'd have a better record. I, I think they'd still be that, six that, and that two. That's a hilariously <laughs> accurate point. I think if they were a better team, they're also six and two. They're almost certainly still <laughs> six and two. <laughs> 
It's, it's, I don't, no, I don't, go ahead, I don't, Scott. I, I was I I chipped in last. Anyway, it's fine. You guys are right. Obviously, there are concerns with the fact in, in Scott was sitting with me on Sunday and I was just as frustrated that they didn't put away Washington, but I don't know. They, they keep winning. They, they go to, they, they have fucking Cleveland, Miami and the Jets. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I, I mean, how do they not get nine this wins? Is, this is fascinating. Cause he has a different view of quarterback play than he does of the team. It's like for, for Frank, it seems like, I want my quarterbacks to be super risky and take a lot of risks and have fun and throw all the points on the field as many as possible. I but still those but when I'm but when I'm watching my team play, I'm happy if they get to nine and seven and squeak into the playoffs. Like it seems like it's a vastly different. You have a great chance there, Scott. Take a shot and be like, I, I want to I want a quarterback that's going to tie rod the team into the playoffs. No, I just am saying that there are things that are acceptable and good about this team and we should be enjoying it more. I, there are, okay. Things I like about this team, Devin Singletary, number one with a bullet at this point. Uh, number two, the, the secondary, I think is pretty awesome. I like the young linebackers, even if they get a little, they get a little lost, uh, when the defensive line can't keep the guys off them. Um, John Brown, I enjoy watching these players play. I enjoy talking about them and having fun, but I can still, I don't think, I don't think it's fair to say like, you know, how dare you not have the, uh, the, the, we don't have your, (laughs) I'm trying to avoid Frank making a kind of, you need to support the troops kind of argument because I don't think he's doing that. I'm not quite there. Yes. I understand that I'm, I might be getting close to that and I'm not, I'm definitely not going there. I, I had my list of positive, which is almost exactly the same as Scott's. They're, the defense is not allowing points. They're not letting other teams move the ball with any consistency. Their pass rush has pressured QBs, and all those elements are important. And on offense, John Brown has been a revelation to me. He is having a career year. We talked about Beasley. They have good, a, a young core of tight ends that are all very good blockers, and that's you know helped Singletary and and Frank Gore, who's done better than I expected. We talked about the old line being vastly improved. You know who we've barely talked about all season? Deion Dawkins. I love that. I love not having to talk about our left tackle because I feel like yeah. ever since Jason Peters has left, we've had to talk about our left tackle. Even when Cordy was was with the team, it was like, oh, Cordy's injured again. Who's our left tackle? So all of those are good things, um, but we, we can't ignore, and I won't go into the whole list of negatives I have, but there's a lot of... You know, a lot of of negatives, you know, to to sure go through. It is not a perfect team. Absolutely not. And I'll tell you why. I th- and, and Scott's right. Like, I, I definitely sound like I'm suddenly skipping over Josh Allen. And, but what I what I like about Josh Allen is twofold. First of all, I mean, his passing yards, per, his, many of his stats went up. OK, and are up percentage. His completion percentage is up 8 percent. You know, he's, you know. 20 he's almost 30 yards more per game passing um he already has the same number of passing touchdowns um so and we're you know he's played eight games instead of the the 12 from last year obviously the deep ball is missing but i saw him throw the deep ball to robert foster so for me that feels more like okay they don't have the right wide receiver he's not on the right page with one of these guys or there's some other like i've seen him throw that ball Right, and, and the play and to Foster completed. in your in your defense, Frank too. He there was a he did a great uh, 
I, I was saying last. But then year. the pressure was right in his face, and he had to heave it off his back right. foot. So well, I'm saying into, last just... year, last year, like Robert Foster was catching the long ball, and yep. suddenly he fell off the face of the earth. And so for me, I'm like. I'm still comfortable thinking, okay, maybe he just has to put it all together. I haven't really seen a regression. I haven't, I've seen progress. It's not the progress I thought I would see, but I've seen something and you know, they're six and two. (laughs) So, um, and, and you know, I, this is, you know what, this is nice because our next thing after three stars was season first half review. And and we're already like, we've covered half my notes on the season first half. I feel like we've done it. So, uh, or, or, or we're in it. So yeah. we, we should do this. We should we should take a deep breath. Sorry, I'm a little heated. I just no, it's all right because I think we got to talk some Josh Allen after this because that's that's a big. big I think thing. we should get three stars and then get out of this Washington game. Yep. And then and then we'll reset and and kind of continue our our discussion. So Scott, if you would, I feel like we can do a bit of the game as we do three stars because I feel like there's one particular star that we need to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's Good one. Yeah, you, you're yeah. in charge. Okay, so third star, um, I'm going to say, and this is related to our discussion, who's the best player on a defensive line right now? Not Star Latulale. It's Jordan Phillips. Yeah, it's I'd Jordan say Jordan Phillips. Phillips as well, yeah. It's Jordan Phillips is the best player on a defensive line right now. It's not Trent Murphy. It's not Shaq Lawson. It's not Ed Gary Oliver, Hughes, which yeah. is which is disappointing to me because I was driving that Oliver bus earlier in the season here. And Paul is correct that, you know, that obviously he's correct. Everyone knows like the, the, you know, he, he is a, he is functionally at best a a number two guy off the bench right now uh, in the rotation. And he's not, he, he's getting some push and everyone seems kind of, Oh yeah, he was getting pushed. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's going to get there. He's going to get there. And then now he's not getting there. (laughs) He's not, I'm not saying that the light bulb can't go on in season two and then he's not going to get better. But the, I think I definitely had an expectation coming into the season, and on some level, if you're drafting a guy in the top ten, you're kind of expecting it uh, too, that he's going to have an immediate impact, if not be at least a minimum starter. And now he's kind of like not really a starter anymore, and that's that's not really where we want to go. See, Jordan Phillips, to a certain extent, a guy who was, um, you know, kind of passed over in Miami to a certain extent. They didn't bring him back. I forget what the story was there. But he has been probably the best player on the team on the on the defensive line this year, and uh, had another good game on Sunday. Let me pull up the old stats. Um, but he had three. What did it, what was it? Uh, sorry. No, that's all right. I like how you turned your camera on too, so we get to you know. Yeah. Three. Compelling podcasting. Yes. <laughs> Trust me, guy. Trust let's, me, all the just, listeners. We just, saw Scott yeah. there for a brief second when he turned on his camera. Let's just stop the flow of the podcast while I look something up. Three tackles, one sack. I'll see why. I'll tackle. see why Ashley Simpson is trending. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, now <laughs> I've got to check that too. Exactly. Hold on. Hold on, folks. Let's just get this. No, oh, no. They think she. They think down. she might be one of the masked singers, which I don't watch uh, that show. Yeah. No, I think that is coming back tonight. Um. Anyway, yeah, three tackles, one sack, but it was a good sack and one of the few times that we got pressure, and you need to give it to somebody on the defense because in general the the defense is performing well enough to win games, even if individually we're not seeing a ton of stats come up, and it is a little frustrating that we're not seeing a little more in terms of pressure, but again, it was a good game that they won against a bad team, so you don't need to be perfect, and they weren't, and they, uh, they again, they didn't need to be, so 
Jordan Phillips, third star. Second star is the ancient one, Adrian Peterson. 18 carries, 108 yards. Um, I, you know, I think I remarked on a number of occasions to Frank on Sunday that, boy, if this was like Adrian Peterson of, you know, 2012 or 2011, like we'd be in a lot of trouble because he would have 200 yards in this game and we, we'd, we'd be out of it or we'd be having to come back here. Um, but obviously he didn't quite have enough in the tank. Bills were able to kind of shut some of those gaps in the second half, but in that first half, boy, it was, um, it, it was frustrating was to watch. It, yeah. Was he what at one Oh one or one Oh, I think he was a one Oh one or one Oh two at, at halftime. That was nuts. Yeah. No, right. and, and, and then, there, you know, seven more yards. Yep. Eight carries for seven yards in the second half. Oh, absolutely. And they, 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 they figured it out. Some of that, I assume probably was also Washington realizing that they couldn't just run the ball given that they were down at that point in the second half. But um, the, uh, but, and, and Frank and I uh, at a number of points also on Sunday is that like, it wasn't like he was like taking these things and like finding like slivers. Like there were plenty of open holes and he wasn't like running away from guys either. It was literally just like, there's no one near him. He's just running. He's just slowly running towards the sidelines and he still gets 10 or 15 yards. It was a very, odd kind of uh running attack that that still managed to get things done for the for the redskins but uh not good enough because of the great work uh i would say the guy who probably won the game for the bills on sunday right Devin uh, i mean in a truly inspired performance it was just like having a regular old great running back yeah one yeah. 140 of the team's 260 yards or something like that mm-hmm yeah, that's a pretty good day at the office, especially for a rookie running back who um, I did not give enough credit to, I think, in the offseason. Again, I think I thought he was going to be good. I don't, I'm not sure. I thought it might have been a bit of a reach. Um, and we still haven't quite seen him like do a ton of the like, game-breaking speed. But honestly, out of a third-round pick, you don't really need it. And most of the time in the NFL, you're not the running backs are not running away from guys just because the corners are going to be so fast. And you need to have a little bit of heft just to not get knocked off. Um, your balance as you're making your way through the line. And as Micah Hyde pointed out, you know, Singletary is functionally a bowling ball at this point. Like he just keeps moving. He keeps seeing the holes. He bounces off his blockers when he runs into them. He bounces off the tacklers. He keeps going. He gets three or four yards when you think he's getting one or two. He gets seven or eight when it's blocked for three or four. Um, He's got the hands. He caught the screen pass that set up a touchdown. He got into the end zone. No fumbles. Uh, pretty much a complete performance. And I think in, we were able to use the toss sweep, which we hadn't really seen because Frank Gore is not just, just not going to be as effective running on those, those toss sweeps. He obviously was even less effective than normal on Sunday, which is a discouraging sign, but hopefully that's more of a, just maybe they were waiting for it or, or they, they and, and, and Washington as bad as they are, their front seven's decent. It's not like they're, they're yeah. bottom of the league, bottom of the barrel. Yeah. So I think, I think, um, I am much more pleased with I think our offense is going to be a little more reliable with Singletary in there. I'm not sure it's going to be more explosive, but I think the chances of us being able to kind of get through some of these doldrums on occasion that have happened this year will probably improve as long as Singletary can stay healthy and continue to be um, a good part of the offense. And I think, you know, credit Dable for finally trying to bring him in. Obviously, Singletary was hurt for some of this and, I think he heard all of it last week of being like, hey, we're not scoring enough fucking points. Let's just try something different, shall we? 
and uh, and it definitely it worked for at least this week. Now, obviously, we'll see what happens as stuff goes forward, but you got to start somewhere. So at least they tried and, and it worked out. Those are your uh, your three stars. Uh, let me get you the roster in roster injury and updates. Uh, so the Bills signed defensive tackles Vincent Taylor and Corey Legit, um, which is much debated on Twitter. Apparently, how to pronounce his name. Polishers <laughs> me, it's legit. I'm going by what the Bills' official press release said, so I feel like that's got to be the right answer, even though we're still not sure if it's Tyrod or Tyrod. Yes, Kyle Pecco was cut and then signed by Indianapolis. And um, by the way, our our Twitter blew up a little bit because of Kyle Pecco, because he's that guy who searches for his mentions last week. So, of course, I oh, mentioned damn. him uh, on whenever Sunday. And so what is my that tweet now has a ton did of... You say, did you say something nice about him? I said something not negative about him, but more negative about the Bills. I said, Kyle, news, this was when the Bills were getting gashed by Peterson the first half. I said, newsflash, Kyle Pecco was not the problem. To which Kyle Pecco replied and did the little googly eyes thing and then retweeted it. And then <laughs> likes and comments based on, on that. So, so either yeah. he or his agent knew that it was time to check on the profile there. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what? It could be worse. From what I understand, somebody from Cleveland was taking to Twitter to do something much worse than that. So we'll take some googly eyes from Kyle Pecco. Um, Terrell Dotson, uh, he is no longer suspended, moved over to the practice squad, and injured reserve Maurice Alexander, uh, that was announced this week. Limited in practice was Kurt Coleman, or did I get that wrong? Yep, you got that. You got it right. And then, and, then, uh, and then Kevin Johnson, or Kevon Johnson. Yeah, you got it, Kevin. You can call him Kevin. Kevon, too. Kevon Seymour would. Kevon Seymour, right? Yeah, thank you. The kid, the, the K's were were confusing me. So yeah. that's your a that's two your, person injury report. That's a that's a nice change of pace. It from is a nice injury report. Um, briefly, and then we will get back to the first half review. Yeah. But um, the Miami Dolphins won their first game. They beat the New York Jets. Um, the New York Jets fans were ready to fire Adam Gase. Uh, you know. Some of us wonder why they hired Adam Gase in the first place, but there you go. Um, uh, I wonder if the Dolphins brass is happy that they won a football game or not, but they certainly seemed like they were going mm-hmm. to, get, you know, make it happen. So wonderfully enough, enu- wonderfully enough, I called out Gesicki, the tight end for Miami, as being good. He had like 95 or 100 yards receiving against the Jets. So well, there you go. Uh, the Dolphins, by the way. After being so deadly terrible and having one of the worst point differentials ever, currently in third in the AFC East because they own the tiebreaker over the one and seven Jets. Um, and again, if you're the Buffalo Bills, hashtag not my problem. I can't help it. I'm not here for your problems. I'm six and two. <laughs> Micah Hyde is sick of apologizing for being six and two, and I kind of don't blame him. Um, the Patriots also looked human. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens beat them uh, going away in a bit. Uh, Patriots now eight and one. So, you know, you look at that Eagles game, you wish you were seven and one and just a, a half some odd game back. But, you know, you're, you're still only they, they have the week off. And if you win, you're seven and two. Uh, if you beat Cleveland this week and you're a game behind the Patriots with a game left playing against them. And that's that's pretty freaking cool um, going into to week nine or ten of the season. Um Bills technically control their own destiny in the AFC East. They, in fact, do control their own destiny with regards to the AFC East. And Paul, and Scott wanted to talk about the Ravens game. Excuse me. Did I you got... guys 
Did you guys watch any of the game? Or did I you watched watch the people? whole thing, which I hadn't planned to do, but I was so... It, it, let's put it this way. It got off to such an enjoyable start, I just ended up sticking <laughs> with it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch it. I saw the highlights. I saw uh, Lamar Jackson kind of shuffling into the end zone, and um, it, it prompted me to compare him to Josh Allen, and Jackson is certainly a little bit better in a lot of the statistical categories, but not by as much as you'd think. He has a big running advantage, but I think that's a change in philosophy from the Bills. I think I think Allen could be putting up some of those running numbers, but they're yep. they're choosing and, not and to. And that is and that is the question: is should we try and run? I'm not saying that we should completely throw out the whole offense, but obviously Baltimore relies much more on Jackson on to design yeah. runs, and clearly the Pats had some trouble with that. That that I mean the 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 Ravens ended up scoring thirty, I mean thirty seven points. They got one on they got one on a defensive touchdown, um, but you know obviously Allen doesn't have quite the speed of Jackson, so I'm not sure it's going to be as successful. Um, and obviously Jackson to a certain extent has been a little more accurate on the deep balls that to a certain extent would help that. But do you do you guys feel like we we can use the, the 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 Ravens blueprint here, or do you think that we shouldn't because Allen would get hurt, or do you think it's just not feasible because the the differences between Allen and Jackson are just that sub, sub, just that large that we we don't have well, the. I I don't. That's a good question. Um, it's an excellent question. So. And I and I think that just just to your point, look, the Ravens have scored nearly a hundred more points on offense than the Buffalo Bills. They have given up about fifty or sixty more points on defense. Sorry, forty-five-ish more points on defense than the Bills. So the Bills have the better defense. The Ravens have the much better offense. And you know what? The Ravens are six and two. I just I just want to make that clear. Now, when the Bills play the Ravens in a few weeks. The Ravens are going to look to be the favorite, probably because they're the better team. I think they probably have the better they're, offense they're be overall. They're going to be the favorite because the Browns are the favorite over the Bills this week. So yeah, I think it's gonna, fair to say we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But that's, that's a little great. But I, what I want to say is like, like the you know that might be a function of the Ravens overall offense being better, more so than a difference between Josh Allen and and Jackson. Um, I. The, the the short answer is you can't know because it's it's so early in their careers they have very similar similar skill sets and there hasn't been enough there's not necessarily enough parity uh, between the clubs on offense to really make a distinction but Allen is a weapon on the ground and this team is in a playoff race and should and could and ought to use every weapon that's available to them. And if there are more designed runs or there's more freedom for Allen to run, then let him run. Because you know what? When he got hurt last year, he got hurt in the pocket. So I'm totally fine with him running. He, he's got a good sense of – he did get the concussion earlier this year, which wasn't great. Um, but I think he has probably a better sense of, of how to slide, and that's that's part of his game. I never wanted him to be – you know, you know, it's kind of Neanderthalic to to be a to force him to be a pocket passer. He needs to be a better passer. He needs to make more passes. But if one of his weapons that he can employ is running, then running's great. Yeah, I uh, and this go. This is I I am on ProFootballReference.com right now under mm-hmm. the passing, and it confirms exactly what I would have expected about Josh Allen. <laughs> Statistics year over year. Universally, in all except one category, are up. Better record. 
8% higher on the completion percentage, much higher yards per game, same touchdown, same number of touchdowns in fewer games with fewer interceptions. So therefore a higher touchdown percentage and a lower interception percentage. QB rating is up 15. QBR, which is, you know, I believe is the ESPN invented statistic that also incorporates quarterback running. Last year, Allen was 49.8. This year, he is 36.9. And that is because of the de-emphasis on the running game. And I, it's tough for me. Here's, here's, I'm going to say yes. I'll give away my answer. I think they should not necessarily design runs for him more, but unleash him a little bit because the difference I've noticed from last year is he would be in the middle of the field and look like, oh, he's, you know, going to take hit. And then he cuts up field and then he makes moves. And now I feel when he gets toward the middle of the field, the second people start converging, he goes down or he slides or then he tries to get out of bounds if he's nearing the sideline. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing him doing those cut up fields, gaining extra yards, having those three straight games where he had 99 plus yards because that will help the team win and it will add a new dimension to this offense. Uh, so that, but now I'm going to turn into Gollum. I'm going to play the other side of the coin or the ring on this one. And note my concern with that is, is Scott brought up Lamar Jackson. Can we think of, and this is a legitimate question, can we think of any QBs who've played with Lamar Jackson's style that have had good long careers in the NFL playing that style? Like I can think of of guys like Michael Vick, who played that style early in his career, then decided to go to jail for a while, came back, still had a running aspect to his game, but he'd become more of a pocket passer and run when he had to. I think of a guy like, you know, Randall Cunningham, same thing. He used to scramble a lot more and, and do all these crazy things downfield. Then when he had his, his great team successes with Minnesota, that's when he took the reins in. And then you have guys who've tried to do it too long, like, say, Robert Griffin III, and he's now two people below Lamar Jackson on the depth chart for the Ravens. So I, if I'm fine with doing it, I think it will help the offense and it will help them win. But I think we have to seriously question, like, is it a long-term recipe for success to have him do that? And if we can agree it's not a long-term recipe for success, is it worth it to sacrifice some of the progress we've seen in all the other passing areas? I, yeah, I mean, I think that I think the challenge would be I'm not not sure I would agree with the premise that that you can't do both in terms of maintaining the forward momentum on being a better passer while also employing the run. And I think that's I mean, I think the theory would be let's let Allen let's I think I'd be in favor of, you know, being selective about it and like, yeah, let Allen be Allen. Well, no, like when you're playing the Pats, let him let him run more. When you're playing the Ravens, when it's in the playoffs, let him run more. When you're playing the, you know, the Bengals in week nine, take it easy, Josh. Go out of bounds, you know, take the right. slide, stay in the pocket. Let's let's be smart about that. I understand it's kind of hard to 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 take some of that out of him. It's either in him or it's not. Um, but you can call less design runs. You can take that part of the the playbook out for some of those um, and help him avoid those kind of bad situations where he could get hurt um, and then allow him to still develop over time. Um, but anyway, I mean, I think some of it is a little I think we could probably do a better. I mean, I think I'm I am intrigued. I don't want to say I'm completely intrigued by the Pats game. But I wonder how much of a Gore, how much of a difference Gore and Singletary's respective roles will make in that Pats game. 
just because if you combine that with a bit more aggressiveness from Allen and bringing in one more freaking blocker on a punt team, right. and maybe that's a little bit different game. Now, obviously it's going to be new England. It's going to be December. I'm not saying it's going to be a win, but it it's frustrating. We, that, we'd like a better offensive performance. I think it's safe to say, and a better special yeah. teams performance. And, and yeah, exactly. A couple less. And he's again, like, He's clearly been drilled into his head not to throw those stupid hero balls anymore. Now, again, I think that's kind of short-circuited some of the offense a bit. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what that version of Allen looks like going into New England. I think if he's still doing it then. I don't know. We'll see. Um, okay. Uh, look, Browns, Dolphins, Broncos, Cowboys. Uh, will anybody be satisfied with less than nine wins coming out of those four games? I, I think you're, we wouldn't be satisfied with anything less. Yeah, than if nine. they come out yeah. eight and eight or eight, sorry, eight and four or whatever, <laughs> then that's that's incredibly frustrating, right? Like you got to beat the Dolphins. I think you got to beat the Broncos at home, and you look at Bills, Browns, and Bills, Cowboys, and you got to win one of those games too. Yeah, I think you probably do. I mean, I think it's tough. I mean, I've been I've been looking more at the Cleveland matchup obviously this week because that's 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 what's coming up here. And, yeah. And yeah, like when I saw the spread, which we'll, as Frank said, we'll get to, I was like, what? But then it kind of started making more sense. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I'm the same boat as you. But, but the same thing with the Cowboys. Like, you know, hey, they, you know, they got some talent there, but they've also lost some games. Um, you know, they're not lost they're not the unbeatable. Yeah, exactly. So they can't, you know, I don't say they can't be that good, but they clearly have some holes on that team as well. So let's not just rule it out on, on principle either. Well, uh, yeah. and I think, and sorry to jump in, Frank, but no, just quickly thinking about those three teams, you have the, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a two and six Browns teams, but it's a talented, but struggling Browns team. It's a Miami team that is certainly bad. There's not even debatable, but they played much better over their last four games. And we saw that in, in Buffalo and then you have a Denver team that started 0-4, but all of a sudden is, you know, 3-2 and since, and those losses are to Kansas City and the last second loss to the Colts on a field goal. So these right. are three winnable games, three games that we believe they should win. But let's put it this way. I'm not taking any any of these three, not a single one, and saying it's a slam dunk. Just like I'm not taking the Cowboys and saying, oh, they're sure to lose that game, because I don't think they're necessarily sure to lose that either. It's it's hard because you're right about the Broncos, but I mean they've still only they've still managed less than 150 points and they've played a game one game more than the than the Bills yeah. at this and point. And they won't have Flacco. Though they didn't have Flacco last week either. Right. And, and you look at the Browns. Okay, sure. Lots of big names. Lots of big a handful of big names. Baker Mayfield, OBJ, Chubb, Kareem Hunt, who they're just getting back. Okay, all that, all that, 152 points out of eight games, right? The Bills, 158. So offensively the same, but defensively, the Browns aren't in the same class as Buffalo. So, you know, when that team has to, to play Buffalo, if you have Trey White, you know, and I'm tipping my hand here, uh, if you have Trey White shadowing OBJ, then what are we worried about? They're going to run the ball? Well, the yeah, last... We're worried about Wallace and Landry and with them. Jarvis Landry, yeah, yeah, that would be the one. Uh, yeah, okay, all right, fair enough. Okay, but the, nobody else has had to apparently is what I guess what I'm. Well, trying. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think yeah. the theory is is yeah. I mean, we're getting a little ahead of it, yeah. But I think the offensive line is the is where the game is going to be won or lost because if 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 the pass rush can get to Mayfield and that's been the problem this year for the Browns is that he hasn't had the time to find these guys. 
then that's going to work. But Bill's pass rush has not exactly been stellar at this various points this year either. So did you, um, we didn't get any Facebook questions. Did we get any Twitter questions? We got one Twitter question and it's a, right. it's a good one. And we've, we've talked about it to a degree. Um, but David asks us, Alan, well, hold has- it. I'm sorry. Hold it for one second. I just wanted to point out Dallas is by far the, I think the best of the four teams, they they've both shown and act as the best of the four teams, and so like that's the one I'm I'm most concerned about. And there's probably some mystique about Thursday night, but to me, I mean, I don't know. Thanksgiving game, yeah. It, you got to beat the Dolphins and you got to beat the Broncos, and that's that's eight. And you you got to pick up one more. And if and really you should be able to beat the Browns, you should be able to go in and smother the Browns. And it might not be pretty, but you should be able to do it. Please ask your question. I guess I wanted to finish my sure. thought. There. Oh, that was, it was good to get that thought in there. Uh, David Furster, our buddy David asks, Alan passes the eye test to me. Is that a good thing or is it sad? Because it's just a reflection of how bad the other Bills QBs have been since Bledsoe. Therein I think, the question. That's a yeah, great... I think it's a great question because look at, I went and just randomly looked at his stats today. He is toward the bottom half of the league in nearly Every in every meaningful passing category, he's near the bottom of the league, but he's also decidedly better than what we've seen in a lot of areas. And he talks about the eye test. Mm-hmm. And I'm simply thinking about some of the great plays he was making last season with his legs. And then in recent games, when you can certainly make the game manager critique of him, but they also his, you know, not thrown thrown dumb passes. He's thrown very good balls for the most part. He hasn't come close to being intercepted. Now, we, I, I have a bunch of Josh Allen notes, which we're going to save for another week because I realize they're not going to be dated um, unless, of course, he passes for 500 yards next week. And then that's these all of these notes are dated. You're so uh, but I think yeah, it's a it's an intriguing question. And I, you know, I definitely have some skepticism there. It's it's not going to necessarily be resolved immediately. But I can recall him doing a number of things and thinking like there's more here than what we've seen with any of the quarterbacks since Bledsoe left town. I mean, yeah, this is the this is I mean, I think that's the thing is that, yeah, he passes the eye test because it's like you can see him, you know, do the, uh, you know, Uncle Rico throw the ball out of the stadium. And, you know, he looks, you know, that's what everyone fell in love with in the draft was, you know, he came out of the. You know, he came comes off looking like a quarterback. He's six five. He's big. He's fast. He can throw the ball a mile. You know, and then you, there's, you know, there's usually one throw a game where you do get those kind of like, ooh, that was a nice throw. And 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 you know, he's running, he's running across his field, and instead of trying to, instead of trying to throw it back to the middle of the field, he'll actually throw it on a rope down the sideline and get John Brown on a comeback. And to pick up a third down on on third and 15, you're like, Mm -hmm. that's why he's the first round pick. That's why he's the top 10 pick. But there's not enough of it. And that's and yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is like it's not some of it's probably the the I think if you have to some of it might be the offensive limits that they're putting on him that Dable's not throwing as many of those passes. But I think Dable's not throwing that many passes because we can't trust him to execute them enough and not throw the ball to their team too much. And I think that's why they limit them and, and kind of reduce our opportunities for him to, to F it up. Now, I know Frank's concerned about that. I'm slightly less so, but the, the result of to this point has been the same. And that's the numbers that Paul is talking about here, where one or two good passes a game does not, a, a, you know, a, 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 you know, a top 10 quarterback make. So 
I think we're just a little we're, we're it's frustrating, but I think again, I don't think the, the, the ship sailed on him. I think it's just we're not there yet, but we, we do not need to start seeing it sooner rather than later. Uh, yes, I think that some of that though too is still, and I and I know we haven't been doing the film breakdown that like maybe we did when NFL Rewind first came out, but a lot of the stuff I've been reading is there's there's wide receivers missing roots and there are people missing blocks and it's not all him and 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 so I think that there is still room to say that some of the adjustments about when and where to throw might not be all on his ability to make it and might be more about the people's ability to to support him in those throws I, i'm not ready to write that completely off yet is i guess what i'm saying but I'm I, not, also say, and I, I also say that the wide receivers are far better this year than they absolutely. were last year absolutely so. there's yeah, absolutely but there's also you know we still haven't seen somebody that he can connect with on long distance and not only were they looking they looking for people that they ultimately didn't pay for at the deadline but we know that they pursued Antonio Brown in the offseason because they felt like they needed some sort of game-breaking wide receiver. So I don't think that they're fully happy with that part of the ball. So, and, my, and my need to be between you both, I must mention that, uh, yes, these Bills receivers are much better than what we had last year, and that should be helpful to Josh. But I also want to note that n- that number three receiver spot, no one's put a stranglehold on that. We've had they got the three guys going for it have all been healthy scratches at points this season. Zay got traded. Andre Roberts has one catch. If you're looking at, at him as being part of that crew as well. So you're depending on two 30 plus year old guys right now uh, to, to do the job and your young guys, you know, you'd like one of them to kind of step up now. And I also, it's important to note that Josh hasn't had a consistent tight end receiving threat yet either. You can note Dawson Knox, but he's had his fair share of drops and he's not exactly raking in the catches every week. So you, know, well, could, could, you could have more help. As we approach the 50th minute of the podcast, I will yes. say it's it's been a hot show. So I don't feel like the 50 minutes have dragged, but I do think it is time for this day in Bill's history so that we can... Yep. You know, get out of here before the game's over. All right. We will do uh, this day in Bill's headlines. And I do need to f- I feel the need to put a little pressure on on you both that on on Bill's and Beers this weekend. You you guys were lit into a bit for really struggling with Anquan Bolden. All right. Uh, listen, listen, so. listen, I got a problem with them and I, you know, <laughs> I'm calling them out. Right now, I want to see them at Survivor Series. And if they can't <laughs> hack it, Scott and I will bring the pain. So sounds this is going to be it's going to be raucous and by the way we do wish our our congratulations to lars who by now should be a father yeah, of second time over yeah i saw that yeah. yeah so good for him i i given him yeah. i and i lars even I'm though i'm doing a podcast with kids see how yeah, that works out quality goes up it's, oh yeah you know, one. Interested. yeah one ask scott how one is one is like <laughs> it's not even having a kid <laughs> There, there's a reason one of us does the research and agenda pretty consistently for this podcast. It's oh yeah. One without children. There is. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's uh, but he is, he is still open to ask me questions about our, cause they might be moving to a more remote setup, at least for the immediacy, um, you know, given the constraints. So we we're, we're I'm here to help. Well, yeah. All right. So we'll do this day in Bill's headlines. All right, here we go. 2018 Buffalo bills claim wide receiver blank. Release Cam Phillips says Buffalo made a play for the returner in late October, but the Broncos promoted him to their 53-man roster to avoid losing him. Denver would go on to release blank on November 2nd. Hmm. Uh, McKenzie? 
Isaiah McKenzie. Scott was right on that one. Right uh, on it. 2015. Blank may be small, but he plays big. Roscoe it's, Parrish. That would be a good guess, but he was off the roster at that point. Damn it. Um, it's no secret why Blank was overlooked. He's one of the smallest players in the entire NFL. One NFC scout referred to him as a little midget this offseason. The other one. One that's yep. not politically correct. He's 5'8", 180. Um, but it says, yet here he is, still the Bills' nickel cornerback, primed for a critical role the last half of the season. Uh, was... 2015? Yep. Nickel Roby Coleman? Al Roby Coleman Scott is dose for dose. All right. Boom. 2014. That's the Spanish Baxter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Anchorman. All right. 2014. Blank says Buffalo Bills expect to sell out remaining home games, avoid blackouts in 2014. He says we're in very good shape for week 10 against the Chiefs. The Jets and Browns games are really just as limited status at this point. So we feel very confident heading to the rest of the year that we're in very good shape on the ticket front. So we won't have to worry about anything on that end. Has to be press Brandon, right? Brandon, man, on fire today, Scott. I didn't share the answers with Scott before this. I I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm just gonna let my tag partner handle it. I mean, it that's here. that's he's on a roll. That's, that's strictly we're strictly in like Jeopardy character. Is like who's the only person on the Bills who would we who's named we would know in the last ten years who would care about tickets? Right. He's never been on this day in Bill's headline, so it was important for me to get him yeah. in there. All right. This will be a little tougher. He might, we might need a hot tag here. We'll see if it needs to happen or not, but be ready, Frank. Hold that corner. Here we go. Yep. All, right. All, right. All right. 2012, Bill's defensive end blank has setback after knee surgery. It says, Coach Changeli said Monday that the team doctors haven't ruled out blank, requiring what he called another procedure. If that happens, Gailey said blank would miss about three weeks. Now, I will give some hints because I think this is a little tougher. He was a Bears 2006 round five pick out of Alabama. He had five years with Chicago, one each with the Texans and Pats, before signing a four-year, $20 million contract with the Bills. For their investment, the Bills got five games, 12 tackles, a sack, and then his career was over. He was recently hired by oh, he was hired by Lovey Smith as a scout for Tampa Bay back in 2015. What position again? Defensive end. So this is they had yeah. Mario, they just signed Mario on the one end, and they're like, we're yeah. gonna have a great pass rush. I can kind of remember this guy, and I can't yeah. remember I can't remember his name. Yeah, this right. is bothering me. Yeah. Um, I want to say like he was playing with Lance Briggs, but it's not Lance Briggs. Because uh, he's a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another guy with a very common name. Like you couldn't just Google him and get an answer. John Michael Williams. John Michael Williams. Williams. See that's John good. Michael yes, actually, JM Dubs. It is actually uh, Mark Anderson. Mark Mr. Anderson. Yep. Yes. Yeah, he had like a 10 or an 11 sack season for the Bears. And then like, yeah, we signed him and he did something. Signed him to a huge deal and got five games in one sack. All right. 2011. Blank trying to find new home with the Jets, per New York Newsday headline. It says a leg injury sidelined Blank for most of the Bills training camp. He wasn't coming off a good second season in which he set out the first four games for violating the NFL's substance policy and played in five games, catching three passes for 25 yards. So he was with the Jets for a month, and this mm-hmm. was part of that month. But he never played a game with them or another NFL team. Uh, he was a Bills 2009 round four pick 
out of Southern Miss. 2009. Not Austin. Round four. Yeah, not Austin Kearns. Southern Miss. Wide receiver. Did you say Austin Kearns, by the way, Frank? The former yeah, no, I, I, I may have been actually looking at my baseball cards a minute ago and saw the Austin Kearns <laughs> cards and remembered that Austin Kearns was a Washington National. So right. That's okay. <laughs> Just, uh, I'll give you the two plays he is most remembered for, I think, among Bills fans. He had a touchdown in the first NFL game on Monday night, first the first NFL game of the 2009 season on Monday night football against the Pats, the famous McKelvin game, where he dove just inside the pylon for a touchdown. That was used as an NFL ad the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. It was the then tight a, end. Yep. And unfortunately, later in 2010, there was a play in Baltimore where the Bills were on the verge of an upset in overtime, and the Ravens players physically held him up, pushed him forward, and That's forced him out lost the Yeah. Team. Oh, it was the it was the tight end Scott. Who is yeah, it? Yeah, Scott Chandler. Yep. Oh, balls. Shit balls. Bunch. Shared a name with a Bill. His last name's the same as a Bill's wide receiver. Also played for the team. At oh, the same time. uh, not it, not Josh. Re- no, not Josh Reed. Robert Royal. Josh Reed. Oh. Balls. Oh yeah, I, I'm giving you guys time on this one because I feel like I you're got, so I got there. I'm not gonna get it though. I mean, it's Sean Nelson. Oh, Sean <laughs> Nelson. that doesn't. All right. Yes. Shake it off. Okay. All right, this one's a little. This one's classic Bills history knowledge, so we'll speed through it. If you get it yet? If not, you don't. Okay. 2010. Blank joins Bills Wall, Buffalo Wall. He said it was outstanding. A lot of people have asked what it was like. It's always a different answer, but truthfully, it was exciting and a long time coming in a way. This is an early bill, 62 to 69. He was an AFL All-Star in 65. He retired in 1970 with the Broncos. He was a starting left cornerback who had 23 interceptions, which is tied for seventh in Bill's history out of Western Illinois. And to give an ultimate hint, if you don't know classic Bill's history, he shares the first names, a pro wrestler whose wife and valet was named Charmel. Booker, Booker T. <laughs> that would be the wrestler. <laughs> All right, I will give the answer because if you don't get it on Booker, you won't get the last name. But it's Booker Edgerson. This Booker Edgerson. Booker Edgerson, Bill's Hall of Fame great. Well, shout out to him. All right, 2009. No huddle offense hastened Blank's exit from Bill's. Says Ian Ryan Duran would have kept Blank. It doesn't take Duran off the hook in any way. Jerron and the entire football department made the disastrous decision in March that Blank could handle the left tackle spot, and he was wrong. So he's responsible for the tackle disaster. So this is after Jason Peters left. Yep, and they're like, we'll replace him with this person, and it was it was laughable. Not a great, not a great. All right, this was one of the people that that uh, that that Peters was pissed about making all this money that he wasn't making, and it's not Derek Dockery. So let's get Dockery. Langston Walker. Langston Walker. Yep. There you go. All right. I've done nothing. I got to get one here. I oh, haven't got right. one. Here to go. This this one neither of you will get without my hints. So I'll give the I'll just breeze through the actual question. 2008 Patriots signed cornerback Blank. This was the Trent Edwards five and three Bills about to go against the five and three Patriots. This cornerback played 2007 with the Bills. Spent training camp with the Patriots. Was cut. 
re-signed for the Bills game with the Pats, of course, as Belichick always did. Mm -hmm. uh, but he would only play three games total with them as his NFL career ended. So his one season with the Bills in 07, he broke his arm in the third quarter of the first game against the Broncos, which was overshadowed by the Kevin Everett injury earlier in that game. Mm -hmm. He was placed on IR and he never played again for Buffalo. This was a 49ers 2000 round two pick from Texas A&M. And my hints are there is... Uh, we do not know if, in fact, he enjoys killing teen counselors at Camp Crystal Lake, nor do we know if Emmanuel Lewis will play him in his life story. Jason Webster? Jason Webster, Frank! Oh, that was the way to yes. do it, my friend. Quarterback Jason I, Webster. I, I, for a fleeting moment, I thought it might have been Webster Voorhees. But... <laughs> <laughs> the famed Webster Voorhees. I'm sorry, the famed Jason Webster. Like... Well, he had a decent career up until he came to the Bills, which is how it usually goes. Um, <laughs> all right. Two to go. Uh, 2006, uh, blank answers the whistle. It says, while well, the offense sputtered for long stretches Sunday, the Bills 24 to 10 win over the Packers. This was the uh, famed uh, I woke up drunken in Pittsburgh game for you gentlemen. Mm -hmm. um, blank still put up good numbers, finishing with 20 carries for 95 yards and a late TD that sealed a win. All that from a player who was thought to be in danger of not making the team following a heated battle with Lionel Gates throughout training camp to be Willis McGahee's backup. Lionel Gates. Behind McGee. Yep. Before uh, Spiller. Spiller. Mm -hmm. Before Lynch. This guy ended up. Uh, Henry, because Henry was before McGee. The exact time frame. This guy was twice a 1,000 yard rusher with Dick Duran's Bears. A 2001 mm -hmm. round two pick out of Michigan. Anthony Smith? Anthony. You, you've got Anthony. Anthony Thomas. Anthony Thomas. There Anthony we go. Thomas. Again, the tag team. That's like the, the yeah, demolition. Really, yeah. <laughs> both of you, but we finished it. Yes. All right. The last one, and this is an interest. I think you have no chance of this until we get the, give you the hint, but you, okay. you might. Blank isn't totally to blame. Uh, says, well, <laughs> Everyone. No, here we go. Well, not exonerating. Every blank. bill ever. Bill's fam. <laughs> yeah, 2001 could be anyone because they were 3 and 13 that year. So really everyone was to blame and no one was to blame. All right. Well, not exonerating blank. The coaching staff has determined that protection problems are also to blame on the blocked attempts against San Diego and Indianapolis. He, but uh, he did end up playing two more games with the Bills and then his career was over. And he only played two more games because the very next game he missed a, what would have been a game winning field goal in a game the Bills lost by one. And the after that, he missed an extra point and the Bills lost that game. This was the kicker before Shane Graham came in to finish that year. And then before they went through Mike Hollis and then they got Ryan Lindell after that. So I think the hint that gives you a chance is that his dad is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. Nope. <laughs> his dad was also the former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Bruce Arians. Jake Bruce Arians' Arian. son. Jake Arians. Good Jake job, Arian. Scott. Excellent job. And Bruce Arians is in Tampa. There you go. So that was uh, <laughs> this day in... every day. I do. Well, what do I care what Tampa's doing this year? Not my problem. Um, we'll worry about that in two years when the Bills play them again. Precisely. Um, the Buffalo Bills are six and two. The Cleveland Browns are two and six. So of course they are three point underdogs on the road <laughs> in Cleveland um, to Cleveland, which is. 
uh, look, that should give you a little pause. It gives me a little pause. It means that, you know, Las Vegas has some sense that Cleveland might be – three points, too. It might be a close game, and they're not saying that Buffalo can't win, but I think they're leaning towards Cleveland winning. No, wait, I have that backwards. They're definitely saying Cleveland will win. What am I saying? Um, so they, you know, that that's – they think half the bets will come in right on either side of a three-point Cleveland favorite game. Right. That's truly what they think is that's the line that will get more people betting to split the bet so that they make money. That's how they do it. Um, but th- it's interesting, right? Like you would think yeah. that with the, 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 the Bills being favorites that the money would be pushing itself towards Buffalo. Um or, you know, and you'd want to set a line that people would bet on Cleveland and you'd give Buffalo points. But you're you're not doing that. So um, obviously a lot of, as we've said, a lot of talent, a very disorganized team, a very, I don't want to say controversial is the wrong word, but like a team in, in, in strife. Uh, they're having real issues. A team that people thought was going to be a playoff favorite or an AFC Central favorite. Some crazy people were putting them in the Super Bowl based on Baker Mayfield and a couple of names, and it just hasn't worked that way. If you are a fan of chemistry and you know over talent, man, the the Cleveland uh, the Cleveland Browns right now are your poster boys. Um, that said, Scott, what do you think? Can can the Bills and will the Bills beat the spread and the Browns? Yeah, I mean, this um, this is definitely an interesting game. I mean, I think, yeah, to get to Frank's point about chemistry and culture, this is ultimately the, you know, the great, the great, well, do you go the hard tank? Do you go the full tank? Or you just do kind of a Bills-esque, well, we're not officially tanking, but we're definitely just getting rid of a lot of bad contracts and kind of blowing up the whole team. Whereas uh, Cleveland was pretty openly just like, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're openly just trying to stockpile picks and we'll take anybody you're, you're willing to go for and then go all in once you've gotten your, your, your team together that you think is going to be your core with, with, with uh, Mayfield and, and Chubb and such. So um, it's an interesting game in terms of the – I'm a little concerned because I have a little shades of the Eagles game in my head of a disorganized team that's very talented, but one that maybe is a bad matchup for the Bills in terms of being able to run the ball. Because Nick Chubb, um, one of the better players, obviously, on the Browns, 803 yards, uh, 150 carries this year, averaging 5.2 yards a carry. That is not who you really want to see coming at you with this Bills run defense. So I guess the question is, do we think this run defense is improved? I will answer my own question, and I will say um, yes, um, but I'm going to I am going to weasel out, and I'm going to say the Bills um, I really want to pick the Bills to lose, because I'm very concerned about this game the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think I am. I think I'm going to say that the Bills put it together. Maybe it's a time for a little Josh Allen late heroics. Um, but this this is more of a – I'm going to – yeah, I'll say Bills 31, Browns 28. 31. Okay, so Bills 31, Browns 28. 
that is written down. I uh, also Scott deserves the award for last week. He picked the Bills to beat Washington 24 to 10, and the final was 24 to 9. So Scott, uh, congratulations. Um, I am going to use that in turn to brag that I am eight no with my picks this year and six and two against the spread because I did miss the Bengals and Finns games with my final. All right, buckle in, guys. Browns 27, Bills 10. I think this is going to be that game. I think this is going to be that. And I'm not saying it's a, a bad one for the rest of the year. I'm not shocked if they rebound and, and win the games. I think all the things that our people are talking about with the Browns having the pressure to get back together, there is too much talent there right now to be two and six. They are due for a wake-up call. Scott mentioned Chubb. I also want to mention Kareem Hunt coming back. That's not a bad complimentary back to have. Uh, he was the NFL's leading rusher before all this, the suspension and everything. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a rough day at the office for the team, unfortunately. And and let's hope you're both mocking me for this next week. Bills 50, Browns 22. I think this is the first week I can confidently state that none of us are going to be close on on our picks. Yeah, no, I no, I, I to say <laughs> like, I, I think the Bills get blown out. Scott picked a close game, but with these these two defenses allowing 59 points and you pick them allowing 72 points and the Bills putting up 50. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll all be wrong on this. But, hey, we're here for the fun. We're not getting paid. Yeah, no, I do. I just to be serious for a moment, I think the Bills can and will win this football game. They, they might be in the right place to to, you know, look, at some point they're going to have to. They're gonna have to punch a team in the mouth, and maybe, really? maybe, yeah, <laughs> or maybe they don't. I don't know. <laughs> Look, did I jump all over your thing? I don't know. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I feel like you no, but my no, my concern is that Frank has been saying this for like three weeks now. It's like, yeah, they've the won week. two they're of those really weeks. Hammer these teams. Well, it has to happen against Miami. If, no, if but the Redskins are terrible. If we still did this, yeah, I was gonna say if we still did this in person. Uh, and Frank still controlled the board. He could do what Lars did on Bills and Beers a few weeks ago and just mute us. Just you're done. Just be like, you're both muted. I'm going to tell you what it's really like. All right, whatever. I want the (laughs) Bills to win. I think they can win. I think they will win. So no one else seems to care. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Uh, If you'd like to hear more of these dicks, be dicks to me on my show that I control all the audio for. No, I'm just kidding. If you like our show, I like our show. If you like our show and you like this show, let us know. Uh, BBillsMNY at gmail.com, facebook.com backslash BBillsMNY, or sorry, forward slash BBillsMNY, where BBillsMNY and Twitter. You can search Buffalo Bills podcast, Buffalo Bills maybe next year. We'll come up. We'll turn up. We're around. It's good. It's awesome. Uh, We're happy to have you. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll be talking about a Bills victory and a 7-2 Bills squad going into Miami. But uh, until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.